week, it seems like there's another name to add to the list, another restaurant that's been around for years and years closing its doors. Maybe another restaurant will replace it, but you know what? Maybe not, too. We wanted to talk about how this is impacting communities at large and really what is going on in the industry right now. So Ian Tossenson is with us, president of the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association. Good morning, Ian. Morning, Simi. Welcome back. We missed you. Oh, thank you so much. So <laughs> tell me, when we look at what's happening out there in the restaurant industry, have you seen it like this ever before? No, I think it's the worst, uh, Simi, that we've seen. And it's the culmination of so many uh, months uh, during, you know, I hate to talk about the pandemic. But, you know, you look at, you know, there are months and months and months where there's no money where it's made and there's no ability to sort of um, to get ahead financially. And then, you know, we came back and... Business was good, but then we got hit with inflation and labor shortages and everything we got thrown at us. And the good thing is, is that we haven't necessarily lost the consumer. We've cha- the, the consumer spending habits have changed. So we're seeing more people doing, you know, appetizers and happy hour, but at least they're coming out. And, you know, we're being supported in Vancouver, particularly with, you know, sporting events and concerts that help. But, you know, generally it's it's a non-profitable business. Restaurants Canada reported that, you know, 50% of the restaurants in British Columbia are either losing money or breaking even. And so you're seeing a lot of restaurants, particularly small ones, that tend to be kind of family operations. They're just up against it. Either they might be needing, uh, asking to renew their lease. They don't want to do that. Or the lease went up and it doesn't make any financial sense. Finch's Restaurant is a great example. Um, Last week, um, the sandwich place, um, they've been in business for 20 years and I spoke to the owner and she's very open about it. She's doing a crowdsource funding to try to pay back the debt that she has, which is about $90,000, which is, you know, accumulated debt during the pandemic plus the SIBO loan that she owes. So it's, it's tough out there. It, it really is. And that's yeah. why you're seeing a lot of the small businesses folding. And you talked about, okay, so in, if you're in the major city, if you're in Vancouver, sure, you get the games, right? You've got sporting yeah. events, you've got concerts. But if you're in the suburbs and you're yeah. a neighborhood restaurant, in, is, and that changes the fabric of a community when a restaurant that's been around for a very long time just disappears. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this when, when I got the call last night, and, I, and I, I read some really interesting articles about this. And they talk about restaurants on a, an entirely different way. I've never even thought about them, but they are um, they're, they call things like a third place, which is a place that is not your home and it's not your work. It's a third place. And then you look at what it brings to the community is a sense of togetherness. It brings a sense of community. It gets, allows people to get together. And these are generally the, in the, the, the little communal places in smaller communities. And often in smaller communities, those are, those are the only places that people can gather. So we've, we've become this place of gathering, a little micro community. And then I, I came across, you know, for elderly people, they like to go for a walk and maybe go to McDonald's. It's, it's, it's socialization for them. Or there's a restaurant in Boston that, that serves specific populations for this one, uh, blind and the visually impaired. So it, there's all these social elements to restaurants that are so important. It's not just about food. It's about sharing a conversation, seeing your neighbors, you know, or, or listening, overhearing somebody saying, I have a couch for sale. And you're going, yeah, I, I've got one, you know, all those different things. And mm-hmm. it's really sad to see that these smaller restaurants are, which, which serve that socialization um, are failing and they're failing just because the economics are not in their favor at all. So are people, would you say perhaps leaving the industry and saying, you know what, I, I can't do this anymore? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think when they're sort of aging out in the sense of been doing this for a long time, 
Um, you know, I'm not getting ahead. In fact, it's cost me money. So what's the point of doing this? Now you're right. You, you mentioned you get a, you know, you, you sold for every restaurant that, that closes seemingly another one opens. But well, you, you might on get one that opens, not necessarily though. That's right. They come in a little bit different, you know, focus, maybe more sort of vocal specialized in food. Their cost structure is lower. You're seeing most, you know, when you see restaurants now, they tend to be smaller and more efficient and requiring less labor and more technology than sort of established restaurants. And so there always will be a restaurant industry. But boy, I tell you right now, Cindy, we just we're just working on a project to put together. And we're going to do this. We haven't announced this yet, but drum roll. It's a menu of issues that this industry has. And we're going to do it in the form of a menu. And we've, we're literally like probably 125 to 150 things that a restaurant needs to be aware of, do, or is being bothered by every single day. It's so regulated. And, you know, and this, the danger is that so many of these small restaurants in particular do not have the resources to chase up government regulations and all the different things that are going on. They're just, you know, I talked to a, a, an owner of a restaurant on Lonsdale last week, and I said, how are you doing? He goes, I'm now the owner and the head chef. Oh, boy. And the head waiter. And he has no other time in his life. And that's pretty typical of, of most of smaller businesses. But that's also not why a lot of people want to get in the business, though, is it? Maybe they want to be the mad. They're good at the business part of it, but they're not good at the, the cooking part of it. They just like being in the industry. Oh, there's a lot of people in the industry. They sort of do it and they they don't get ahead economically. They just love it so much because of the people effect of it. They, they really do. And uh, the socialization, but you're right. Um, some, you know, um, they come in with an idea. It's a, they're, they're tricky businesses to run. Like if anybody's thinking about getting a restaurant, really do your research because it, they're very technical, tricky businesses to make a profit with. Is this perhaps a generational change, a generational shift? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the industry was never built to have this much uncertainty and change so quickly. It was a very steady industry. I mean, I remember being in the wine industry and restaurants were our business. And it was just so predictable. And, you know, and and nothing was neither here nor there. It just was there. But now it's it's the uh, it's all these different issues, like I said, labor and prices going up and the consumer changing and shifting the patterns of you eating at home or maybe going to yeah. a restaurant. So um, it's interesting. I mean, we'll come out of this, but um, boy, I tell you, I just feel for a lot of these small business owners that are just up against it. Me too. All right, Ian, thank you for that. Yeah, thanks. Simi's good to talk to you. Yeah, you too.